Each week in this Share the Love series, we've been highlighting moments of generosity that we've been able to be a part of as a church because you give, because you honor God financially. We're able to do things together that we probably would not be able to do individually. And so I wanted to take a moment and highlight another opportunity that we've had recently. Uh, We're surrounded with people who are struggling with their health. Uh, We are all surrounded with people that are hurting Uh, People that are in and out of the hospital battling different illnesses, uh, just from heart things to cancer things to all everything in between, just all over the map. But from time to time, you and I come across people that it seems like their illnesses are just dragging on and on and on and on and on and on. And just like, oh, the poor family can't get a break. Can, you know, oh, what's going on? It's just heartbreaking. And even though we are a part of encouraging families in those situations all year long, and we do things all throughout the year in serving and giving as a church, we have highlighted a few families in our church that are going through just extreme amounts of hardship when it comes to physical ailments or illnesses or because of injuries from tragedies. And we have made monetary donations to them to encourage them, to let them know that they are seen, they are loved, they are cared for. And we can't do that for everybody. And out of respect to the families, I'm not going to get into the details of all of that, but just know we've done our best to try to be a blessing to those around us. And I I do have permission to share one specific with you. Uh, Jason Crawford, who attends our Oak Ridge location several months ago, was in a motorbike, I think a dirt bike accident, not too far from here, when he was out hanging out with his son, and he suffered a severe head trauma, and has been in ICU for the past five months or so, just struggling, greatly struggling. And we have come alongside of them as best we can, and through, I mean, and they've received a lot of encouragement and support through our Oak Ridge, uh, those that attend our Oak Ridge location, and and Pastor Andy, our campus pastor there. But we felt like we wanted to help more. And so we made a monetary donation. Can you imagine the medical bills from that long in ICU? Maybe some of you can. Maybe that's happened to you or someone you love. I I can hardly fathom that. And so, no, it didn't take care of their bills and everything. It was just a token of we love you you're thought of, you're not forgotten kind of thing. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. I want to show you a picture first of all. Let me show you this first. Here's a picture of Jason and his son Hunter. This picture was taken um, the day of the accident, uh, before the accident. And he has gone through tremendous struggles. But and, And we've planned to do this for weeks now. Jason came home this weekend. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Got a long road ahead of him, a long road ahead of him still, but thank you for giving. Thank you for giving. Because you give, we can do things like that. And you can be a part of encouraging someone you may not even know. Let's do this. We, we all know people, and we all have stories. And maybe some of you have just found out some very disturbing news about your own health. Can we stop and pray? Could you join me in prayer? Can we pray for those around us who are going through these kinds of times? Father, Our bodies ail and struggle with sickness and disease, heart issues, cancer challenges, tragedy, 
accidents. We need your help. We need your hope. We need your healing. Thank you for doctors. Thank you for medicine. But Father, there comes a time when you're the only one we turn to because you can do what no one else can do. And for those that are struggling with their health, ongoing issues right now, bring them peace, bring them hope and comfort. Thank you that we as a church can do small things to encourage those around us. Help us to know how to do that and help us as individuals know how to do that to those we love and care for. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for that moment. I wanna start with an aha moment, actually a moment that I came to a few weeks ago that actually was one of those, I can't believe I've never clued into this kind of thing before kind of moment. And, and here's the moment. Jesus taught on the subject of money almost more than any other topic. He did. I mean, you don't have to look very far to see it. And yet that's the topic we probably talk about the least. That was my aha moment. Wow. Okay, so the thing that Jesus talked about almost more, and in some ways you could say, if you, if, if you read it right, more than any other topic. So what was, the, what was one of the biggest deals to Jesus? And, and why do we talk about it so little? So we're going to fix that. <laughs> no. I know why, I know why, because it's a touchy subject, right? And when you start talking about money, people get all hot and bothered and sensitive and offended and, but typically only people who are mishandling their money and don't give, right? I've never known anyone who honors God financially get upset. It's you, so if right now the hairs on the back of your neck are starting to stand up, a little self-discovery moment, please, right? You might be the one, but you're not alone. Yeah, and so with good intentions, we haven't wanted to offend people. We haven't wanted to you know, frustrate people, and, and it has been abused. The topic has been abused, unfortunately, and because it's been abused, we've tried to stay away from it, I think. And we've sent the wrong message. I think unintentionally, I've sent the wrong message. I think we as a church have sent the wrong message, that somehow giving is not important or is somehow optional. And nothing could be further from the truth. It is vitally important. And it's, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's not optional. You might be thinking, well, is that why we don't pass a plate around here? You know, no, it's really not. We decided to go the tall wooden box route years ago and just the way we like to do it, which is interesting. Now with technology and mobile giving, everything's moving that way anyway. I mean, there's going to be a day when there will be no plates to pass in a church because nobody's going to have a check to put in it. And who carries cash, right? Have you ever thought you'd, you'd see the day when you're skeptical of people who carry a bunch of cash? I wonder how he got all that. <laughs> Boy, have times changed, right? Oh, man. I'm just kidding. If you carry a lot of cash, that's, that's great and wonderful. I'm, I'm, it's just funny. But I don't want us to send a wrong message. In fact, you take the topic of money, which is one of the most common problems in life, one of the big, biggest marriage problems, biggest stressors, biggest worriers, then it would go, should go without saying that we need to talk about that kind of stuff. And so we're going to talk about it. 
I want to talk about a concept today and give you a principle that I think will not only change the way you look at money and give, it's such a big principle, it literally can change the way you live your life. And specifically, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is not optional for me and you. This is required material for me and you, whether you like it or not. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a Christian, you may be glad you're not today. But I would say this, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this still has meaning for you and this will still work for you, even though it may not come from the same place as someone who has received the love of Jesus' forgiveness, received the love of Jesus through his sacrifice for our sin and received the love of Jesus and how he has changed our lives. So here's the principle. I wanna to talk to you today about what it looks like to live with open hands. I want to talk about what it looks like to live with open hands. In fact, why don't you just go ahead and everybody's doing it, so it's real cool. Take your hand and open it, or both hands and open it. And just right there in your lap. Open your hands and look and say, that's the way I gotta live. And I want you to look at that open hand and listen to what God teaches us through the writings of the Apostle Paul in Romans 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Give your bodies to God. And the word body there doesn't mean your physical body. It means your life. In first century culture and literature, the Greeks would often refer to the physical body as the representative of all of life. And so what Paul is saying here is give yourselves to God. It's your way of saying, I'm all in God. Every part of me, every fiber of my being, every ounce of my life, I'm all in. Give your lives, your bodies, yourselves, every part of you to God, which includes your money, your finances. That's the way you really worship God. The, the truest way to worship God is not just singing songs, which is a great part of it, right? I love that. How great that word. Are you kidding me? But it's to give your, all, your life. You're, you say, I'm all in. Every part of me. It's not just a one-time thing. It's a way of life. It's a theme of living, which means as followers of Jesus, we don't compartmentalize our lives. We don't pick and choose which part of our lives we say, here, God, this is yours because it's all his. And he wants you and I to live with open hands towards him, which includes the way we handle money. Unfortunately, I see people all the time saying, God, I want you to, God, I want you to bless my marriage and, and God, I give my marriage to you and I give my children to you and I give my family to you and here's my job and here's my career, but the money is mine. That's not the way it works. Not the way it works. To be all in is to live with open hands and that applies to everything. Living with open hands enables you to receive and share the love of Jesus, to continue to receive and share the love of Jesus. Living with an open hand allows you to share 
right? That's the, that's the motion of sharing. Here you go. Here, right? But here's what you may miss. An open hand is also the posture of receiving, right? Unfortunately, too many of us and too many of you aren't living like this. You're living like this. We live like this with a closed hand. And here's what's interesting about a closed hand. We live like this when we're trying to hold on to the things that we feel like we need. But here's the problem. When I live like this and you live like this, not only are we not sharing and giving as God has called us to, God also can't put anything in a closed hand. You can't receive when you live like this. You might be wondering, well, I wonder why I haven't received. I wonder, I wonder what, I look around at everybody else. Well, maybe you're living like this. You can't put anything in a closed hand. See, too many Christians live like this and they settle for living like this, thinking they're holding on to what they need. When actually, in reality, you're living in disobedience to God and you're shutting off and cutting off God's blessings. I don't know about you, but if God wants to bless me with something, I want it. If God wants to give me something, I want it. And if I'm living like this, God goes, I would love to give you that. I would love to give you more. I would love to bless you more than you could ever imagine, but you're living with a closed hand. I want you to come all in. Here's my life. Here's my body. It's like a living sacrifice. Here's every part of me. I live with open hands so that I can share and also I'm in a position to receive. One of Jesus' most famous teachings about money is found in Matthew's recording of Jesus' ministry. And Matthew heard Jesus teach this, and he wrote it down for us so that we can have the opportunity to kind of listen in. Even though we weren't there that day when Jesus taught this, Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 began by talking about money by referring to it as treasure, right? And that's pretty common for me and you, you know, treasure, money, um, booty, which that has a different meaning nowadays, but right? Arr, you know, the booty. Are you with me now? Oh yeah. I thought you were just, see you people, you need Jesus. <laughs> Got to laugh every now and then. We're talking about money. You're getting all frustrated and everything. Jesus said this, he says, you're going to take your money. You're going to take your treasures. Be careful not to just invest your treasures in earthly things because it's temporary. Money is temporary. The earth is temporary. And you temporarily invest your temporary money in temporary places and temporary things. Doesn't make sense. Now, is there anything wrong with investing, you know, 401ks? All that? No, no, he didn't say anything wrong with it. He's saying just be, under, uh, be aware that you're taking a temporary thing, putting in a temporary thing for a temporary period of time. He said, the way I really want you to live is make sure you are putting your treasures in eternal investments. Invest into things that are heaven-centered, heaven-focused, that have everything to do with God's mission and God's purpose on this planet and in your life. And then Jesus begins to draw our attention to something very important. Because see, one of the greatest deterrents for me giving as I should and you giving as you should and all of us giving as we should is the illusion that this earth is our home. This earth is not our home. We are temporarily here. We will spend forever, ever, ever somewhere else. 
And as soon as you and I clue into the fact that this earth is not our home, we will stop handling money in temporary ways and start handling money with an eternal perspective knowing that this earth is not our home, we'll become more generous. Then Jesus said this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And by the word heart, he doesn't mean the muscle in your chest that's pumping blood. He's talking about your focus, your desires, your time, your attention, and ultimately the direction of your life. In other words, God knows us. He knows that we're going to spend time caring about the things that we've invested into financially. Think about it. The things you spend the most money on are the things you care about the most. When the car is new and it still smells new, right? Oh, there's a scratch. Oh, be careful. You know, you can't drive my car. No, no, no. And then eventually, you know, when it depreciates and it's worth nothing, we don't care anymore. Ah, it's an old beater. Then we name it, you know, and it just kind of goes downhill from there. Same thing with the house, new house, all this new floors or fresh paint. You know, we, when we put time and energy and money into something, our attention and our focus naturally goes there. And Jesus knew that. So that's what he said. So you can decide where you want your heart to go, but where you put your money. Because it's going to happen every single time. And then Jesus said this, no one can serve two masters. Nobody. It's just logical. For you will hate the one, love the other. Or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Okay, tell us something we don't know. That makes sense. All of us, you know, you, get, you only have one boss, one master. But then he says this. A lot of people don't see this one coming. At first, I didn't see this one coming. Jesus said, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, why did he say money? You would think if he makes a statement, you got to make your decision on who you're going to serve in your life, who your master is going to be. It's either going to be God, and you would think whatever he chose to be the other option would be the, the opposite of God, right? We would all expect him to say, you cannot serve God and Satan. You're like, yeah, you're right. Makes sense to me. I tell you what, man, Jesus, he's good. It's good stuff. Amen, Jesus. See, that's what we would all think. That's not what he said. He said, you cannot serve God and money. Why did he choose money? Because he knew that money was the biggest competitor to your heart towards God. And he knew money and financial things was the biggest competitor of my heart and my heart towards things of God. That's why we get frustrated. That's why, that's why I could talk about a lot of things in this room and you're tracking right with me. But I start talking about money and what God says about money, you, you immediately have an opinion. Mm because it's the biggest competitor in your heart to your allegiance to God is money. That is why I tell you, Jesus said, not to worry, not to worry about everyday life because don't we, don't we do this? When we're gonna have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, in other words, the basic essentials, I'm gonna have what I need to live. We all worry, I worry, you worry. Jesus said, you gotta stop worrying. Then he gives two examples. He says, you need to look at the birds the birds, they don't worry. They just fly and flit and flutter and all this kind of stuff, and they eat, and you never, you never see a, a bird, you know, freaking out. I can't find a worm. I've got up so early, and I can't find a worm. They told me if I got up early, I'd have find a worm, and there's no worms. 
No. Why? Because God takes care of the birds. And Jesus said, and Jesus loves you more than the birds. Jesus didn't die for birds. He died for you. He said, look at the flowers of the field. Flowers of the field. They don't worry. They don't worry. God takes care of them. You've never seen a flower going, am I going to bloom? Am I going to bloom? Am I going to bloom? No, every spring they bloom. Right? And I know it's kind of funny, but Jesus told it. Jesus told it, gave the analogy. Now, he didn't say anything about cats. So my assumption is <laughs> cats are supposed to fend for themselves. Um, I just made that part up, but it's funny. <laughs> right? See, I read the Bible with color. No, he said, God cares more about you than he does birds. He cares more about you than he does flowers. So just trust him. Trust him. He takes care of them. He'll take care of you. He'll take care of us. Isn't it fascinating and somewhat troubling that the very thing that we have written, the phrase, in God we trust, on our money, is the very thing that is the most challenging for us to trust God with. Wow. Maybe we need to read our money and not just spend our money. Right? And God we trust. Jesus explains it like this. He says, these things, what things? Well, the worrying, the worrying about when, when we're going to have enough, these are the kinds of things that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, of people who don't know how big God is, of people who don't know what God has done for them, of people who haven't received the love of God. In other words, he's saying, you should know better. Followers of me, you should know better. But your heavenly father already knows your needs already knows your needs. I don't care what you need, God already knows it. So seek the kingdom of God above all else. It's another way of saying live with open hands, go all in and live righteously. Live with open hands, go all in, say, God, here's everything. And he will give you everything you need. He will give you everything you need. Not everything you think you need. Not everything you've convinced yourself you need because they have one. Because that's what they do. No, but everything you really need, maybe not everything you want, but everything you need. That's why it makes perfect sense just to trust God and live with open hands and leave him with the results. Leave God up with the results. Leave the results up to God. Just live with open hands. When we live like this, God can't give us what he wants to give us to take care of our needs. And what's funny is we live like this thinking, because I need, because I need, because I need. Well, Jesus is saying, God knows you need, so live like this, so God can take care of your needs. God is the source of your resources. You are not the source. When we live like this, we're living like we think we're the source. So I got to get it, and I got to hold on to it, hold on to it, hold on to it. No, God is the source of your resources. He is the unlimited source to your limited resources. And when you begin to see that, you naturally begin to live with open hands and say, I'm going to trust you with the results. I'm going to give. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to handle money your way because I'm all in, which includes my money. You don't get to pick and choose. Nobody gets to pick and choose. And so, God, I trust you with the results. To live with open hands is seen no clearly than in how we choose to give and handle money. 
Because see, this is really a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual maturity issue. And it shows you whether or not you really trust God. Do you know how? Because people say it all the time. I believe God. I trust God. I believe God. You know, I trust what God says. Do you know how you really know? It's whether or not you're willing to do what he says. That's how you know if you trust God, whether or not you're willing to trust him enough to do what he says. Because if you don't do what he says, I would say you don't really trust him. If you trust him, you'd be crazy to not do what he says. So this really comes back to trust. It comes back to belief. And God has given us a, a way to handle this giving on planet earth. And this is how he has given us a way to handle it. We are to give to God, share with God, share the love with God through giving to God through the local church. That's his plan. That's always been his plan. You say, well, what about all the other organizations in the, in the world that do great things for people? Yeah, great things. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with people giving to those. However, it should never, ever, never, ever, and will never, ever, never, ever take the place of the local church. Never. Jesus gave his life for the church. Jesus decided to do the lion's share of his mission work on earth through the local church. That was Jesus' decision. From Jesus' own lips, and so we give to God through the local church. It was his idea and plan to resource his mission and purpose that way. And the principle that he's given us to use this, to make this happen, is tithing. That wonderful word that Christians love to hear, tithing, which means tenth or 10%. Yes, you heard me right. God expects us as followers of Jesus not just you and you and not you because of your special circumstance or me because of my special circumstance, but all of us to get to a point where we are bringing 10% back to him to resource through the local church his mission, his purpose on the planet, specifically through our community where God has put us. It's his primary vehicle and system. And, and it's all throughout the scriptures. It's Old Testament and New Testament. And sometimes Christians say, oh, that's in the Old Testament. It sure is. And it's in the New Testament too. It's all throughout the Bible. Now, here's the interesting thing. In the Old Testament, tithing was all about obedience. God just said, do it. This is what I want you to do. It's all mine. It's all mine. I've blessed you with everything you have. Anything you call mine, God says, is really mine. So I want you to live on 90% and bring 10% back. 10 cents. I got 10 cents. No, 10% back through the local church. It was a matter of obedience. But when Jesus came along and the apostles in the New Testament, you know what they did? They didn't do away with the tithe. They raised the bar on the tithe. And it was no longer just about obedience. It was about love. It was about motivation. It was about intent. It was about, it was about heart. So Jesus said, yes, you should tithe. But not just because God said to, but because you love God. It's a matter of love, not just obedience. You're like, man, live on 90% of what I bring in. Are you kidding me? Here's why that's a problem for us. We assume that we can do more with 100% living like this than God can do with 90% when we live like this. But here's the truth. God can give you much more with 90% you living like this, than what you can do living like this on 100%. See, you think you can buy more than God can bless you with. I want you to let that sink in. You really think you can buy more than God can decide to bless you with. That's the issue. It's an issue of trust. 
Why does God ask us to live with open hands? Why does God ask us to give like this? Well, I'm going to give you three reasons as we begin to wrap this up. You want to write these down. Matter of fact, wait until we're done here on the screen and take a picture of it because it'll help you this week. It's helping me. Why does God ask us to live with open hands and give? Number one, to test us. Because see, it's, it's interesting to me. He owns it all, right? Everything is his. So why, why does he want me to give to him? He needs nothing, especially nothing from me. I mean, what do I have? If, if God is dependent on something that I'm giving to him, then God's not all that great. Think about it, right? He doesn't need me. He doesn't need your money. This is not about God needing it. It's about what God wants to do in our life and on this earth. So why does God ask us? To test us. And not to test us for him, it's to test us for us. Because God doesn't need to test you for him. He already knows your heart. God knows your motivations. God knows what you're thinking. God sees right through you to the core of who you are, to the core of who I am. God is surprised by nothing. God tests us to see whether or not we will give to help us discover things about ourselves. To help us see where our heart is. To help us see how much we want to honor him. To help us see just how much we really love him. If we're really serious, to trust him enough to live with open hands. To test us. Number two, to bless us. In tangible, measurable ways. And in ways that cannot be measured. We talked about that last week. So Some of the greatest blessings cannot be measured with money. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, I love this. Give and you will receive. The problem is we want to receive without giving. Right? So we live like this, we're not going to give. But remember, when you live like this, you can't receive squat. You live like this to give, and then you're in the position to receive. Give and you will receive. Jesus said your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together to make room for more. And running over and poured into your lap. Look at this. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. You ever wonder why God hasn't blessed you with more? Very well could be you haven't honored him with what he's already given you. And you get to decide ahead of time in the moment of giving how much God is going to bless you with in return. So if you want God to bless you big, then give in big ways. If you want God to bless you just barely, well, then live like this. See, it's not just about obedience. I wish that was all it took. This is what God wants us to do. And you would think that followers of Jesus, you would think that God's people, if they heard this is what God expects of us, they would go, all right, we're doing it. We're going to find a way to do it. We're going to set a percentage and we're going to start and we're going to get our way, work our way up to the tithe. We're going to do it because that's what God says. But you see, that's not enough because we don't do it. So Jesus says it's about love. It's not just about obedience. It's about love. And then he goes a step further and says, I will bless you for it. I will bless you. Not only am I going to test your heart so you can see, I'm going to bless your socks off. Now, we don't give just so that God will bless us, but boy, the blessings are great. And I can tell you from my own personal experience just how much God has blessed me in ways I can't measure with money, 
in ways I can't explain to you monetarily. And I've seen it in people's lives just like you, time and time and time and time and time again. To test us, to bless us, number three, I love this, to use us to bless others. To use us, to be a blessing to others. Share the love. And when we give to God in ways that God has asked us to give and we obey him out of love, we put ourselves in a position for God to use us to be a blessing to others. Just like these generosity moments that we've been doing each Sunday in this series, talking about look what we get to do as a church because we all give together. It's not just about the church. That happens in your life as well. God may meet a need in somebody else's life by using you to meet it. By you going over and above what you would normally give and give to someone in need. Or maybe God may use someone else to meet a specific need in your life. It's a beautiful thing. When we honor God by living with open hands, he tests us, he blesses us, and he uses us to bless others. A year or so ago, I had an interesting conversation and discussion in my family one day. And the reason I remember it, it was because it was so odd. We had a discussion about all the things we could do with the money that we give God through this local church. All the things we could do if we stopped giving. The interesting conversation. Um, my youngest daughter, Maggie, brought, brought it up. And it was great, great, fantastic question. She began to clue in, I guess, to the percentages and realize that for most families, that is a significant amount of money. Uh, comparison to, you know, your overall budget, 10%. Like, wow, that, that's a lot. So Maggie said, Dad, do you know what we could do? If we, I mean, if we didn't give that, do we have to give that? Do you know what we could do with that? Do you know the vacations we could take once a year with that? Do you know the shoes we could wear with that? I mean, true girl fashion, you know, it's just. Do you know, we could do some of the things I see my friends do. We could, we could have some of the things. We could go here and we could go there and we could, they, they're always doing this and they're always doing that. And, and you say, we can't do that because financially it just doesn't work for us, but it would work for us if we stopped giving. And instead we did all this other thing. She said, dad, is that why all my friends have all their stuff? Because their families don't give. I said, sweetie, I don't know. I don't know what people give. I don't, I don't know. But it's interesting, though. As your pastor, I would never make the assumption that you have what you have because you bought it with money that you should have honored God with in obedience. But I will tell you this. There are many people in this room and in this world, many followers of Jesus, who only have what they have because they're buying that stuff with money that God expected them to give to him. I'm not saying you, somebody. Maybe some of you, when your friends come over and you're showing them around, show us around the place. Oh yeah, yeah, see that over there? I bought that with money I should have given to God. And I bought this over here with money I was supposed to give to God. And I got one of these. I know the old one's working fine, but I wanted to upgrade, and I got this one with money that I should have given to God. See, we won't do that, really, will we? But that's the truth for a lot of us. I'm not saying you. But you might want to go home, look around, and say, what have I bought 
was stolen money. Because actually, God says, when you don't give like this to me, you're robbing me. And someone that'll steal from God, they'll do anything. I'm just saying. So Maggie was like, man, what can we do? What can we do? And so we had a good conversation. I said, Maggie, first of all, it's not ours to hold on to because it's not ours. It's not ours to hold on to because it's not ours. And then we talked about how God has blessed us. God is testing our heart. I remember having this conversation and that God has blessed us and we began to tell Maggie stories that she didn't know about. She remembers what happened when the car broke down, blah, blah, blah. Remember that time when, and we started describing moments in her life that we knew she would remember. And then we began to tell her what was really going on behind the scenes that only a mom and dad know when the kids are little and how God came through every single solitary time without exception because we've done what we could to live this way and not like this. And I saw the light come on for her. As we began to talk about, we value different things. We just value things that are eternal. We value the fact that we are temporarily here and we want to invest in eternally significant things and we want to live with open hands. See, it's my desire to live that way because I want to have children that live that way. I want to be a part of a church that lives and operates that way because I don't know about you, but I want to see just what God might do if I were to live with an open hand. Why? Because remember, the only thing that counts, the only thing that counts is that faith you say you have in God, that you trust him and you believe God. Well, the only thing that counts is that expressing itself through love. Not just out of obedience, but God, because I've received your love and I love you so much, I trust you enough to obey you and honor you with money. Let me pray for you. Pray for myself, because I know we need it. Father, you are good and faithful beyond our wildest dreams and imaginations. And yet we get worried and stressed and anxious about not having enough. And that's normal and natural. That's why you told us to be careful not to do that. But instead, to live with open hands, presenting our lives to you, to live all in, including our money, and that you would take care of the results, and that you would take care of us, that you already know our needs and you would meet our needs. And Jesus said, this is a promise from your son that I will bless you so much it'll run out into your lap and that the more you give, the more you'll receive. And God, we know that the greatest blessings can't even be measured with money. But Father, may we live with open hands as a church. And in order for us to live with open hands as a church, the followers of Jesus in this room, as Christians, we have to live with open hands in our homes, in our marriages, in our lives, with our families, in our jobs, and especially our money. Because that's where we struggle the most. The biggest competitor for our hearts 
So God, we need your grace and we need your strength. You are a faithful God. Thank you for being so faithful to us, to allow us to live with open hands, without worry and without fear, that you will take care of us as we honor and obey and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing about the faithfulness of God.